Thanks for listening to iTruths, the teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church of Texarkana, Texas. I'm Richard Hornock, the senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church, and the following is a message that I delivered during one of our Sunday morning worship services. I trust that it will be beneficial to your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks again. You know, my dad... Uh, he used to like to uh, say all these little quips and stuff, and one of the things he always said was that there are three kinds of people in the world, and this is as old as the hills and, you know, pretty dusty, but anyway, I'll just say it anyway. Three kinds of people in the world. There are those that make things happen, those that watch things happen, and then there's a third that just don't even have a clue as to what's happening at all. I mean, he loved that. So uh, he was always telling us, you know, you got to be someone that makes things happen. Now, I don't know how many groups of people there are, but today we are going to look at the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're going to see the Apostle Paul basically talk about how there's really four kinds of people. Uh, now, what's the book of 1 Corinthians about? You probably know this if you've been around church for a while. You know that the people in Corinth, that church there, probably was one of the most troubled churches in all the New Testament. The people, I mean, Corinth was just a decadent city anyway. I mean, it was, it was a bad city. It was a city that just really was raunchy, very immoral. Uh, the business community was corrupt. And it was just a tough, tough place to be a moral person. So you can imagine these people that had come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, I mean, many of them, the vast majority of them, in fact, kind of came out of that kind of lifestyle. They were business people that were used to shafting people. They were, were uh, individuals who were used to living a very loose, immoral life. I mean, uh, idolatry was rampant there, and it was just a, you know, it was it was a tough place to live. And and, you know, they knew that God had said, okay, come out from among them and be separate, be holy. You know, be ye holy as I'm holy. And it was tough for them. And uh, the, the Corinthians struggled with sin in their life. And uh, the Apostle Paul wrote them actually four letters. We only have two of them, but he actually wrote them four letters. And uh, we can presume that the two that we don't have are basically like the two we do have. He was basically trying to help them deal with this, you know, carnality, this this worldly living. I mean, they had things like, uh, you know, divisions within them. And, you know, someone was saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. Apollos was just another traveling evangelist that spread the gospel. I'm of Peter. And then other people would be really holier than thou and say, well, I'm of Christ, you know. And, and you know, they're, they're, they're just tons of divisions within it. They had, uh, they'd do these potluck dinners and everyone would make their own special little meal. But they didn't want to share it with anyone and everyone that came to the potluck dinner. They just wanted to save it for, you know, their special friends. And, uh, you know, you can imagine, you know, if it was like our Thanksgiving dinner, you'd go in there 
and there'd be all these ta- these chairs leaned up against the uh, table, and it's like, this is where my friends are sitting, because I want to be with my friends, even though it's supposed to be an all-church thing, and we're all supposed to get together, and then at the end sing Kumbaya, but, you know, we're going to be, you know, I only want to connect with my people. I mean, that kind of stuff was going on. I mean, they struggled with whether or not Jesus really rose from the dead. I mean, because philosophically, that just was mind-blowing. Someone died, stayed dead for three days, came back to life. I mean, really, seriously? They struggled with how they used their giftedness. I mean, God had, had, had gifted them in certain ways. Some people were really good at teaching. Some people were really good at, at leading. Some people were really good at serving. Some people were incredibly generous, you know, unusually generous. And they struggled with how to manage those and how to feel, you know, what kind of attitude they should have them. Some got really arrogant over their gifts. And some people said, well, my gift is really the best gift, so everybody should have my gift. You know, that kind of stuff. That was the kind of stuff that Paul was having to deal with when he wrote to to the Corinthians. And it's kind of interesting, this paragraph that we're going to look at, Paul is basically saying, you know, I've been talking to you and I'm trying to communicate with you. And in this paragraph that we're going to get to, he basically says, here's the deal. There's there's really kind of four kinds of people. There's four sets of ears that I'm speaking to. Now, take your Bible and turn to chapter 2. Okay, so we're just going to kind of dive right into the middle of a discussion. But basically, Paul is, is here saying, this is why it's been so difficult for you all to hear this information that really will make your life so much better, that will make following Jesus so much easier as you're living in this really tough place to live, as you're trying to deal with those skeletons that are in your closet from your before Jesus days. Look what he says. It said chapter 2, verse 14 is where we're going to start because essentially what he does is he mentions four different kinds of people. And if you've got a, uh, I wanted to say a real Bible, but if you've got a book Bible or, or if your, your phone will allow you to highlight something, and you do that, I'd encourage you to do it. Look at verse 14. Chapter 2, verse 14. He says, the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit. And then, so the first one is the natural man. We're going to talk about him in just a little bit. Look down at verse 15. But he who is spiritual... So there's a natural man or a natural person. Then there's also a spiritual person. That's the second kind. Then terrible, terrible chapter division here. Okay, this is one paragraph, but somebody got tired and uh, the chapter divisions were not made by the Apostle Paul. In fact, they were inserted in about a thousand years later just so we could find our place easier, and then the verses were added about three, four hundred years after that. So this really shouldn't be a chapter division, okay? It's all one big paragraph, but look what he says there in verse 1 of chapter 3. 
He said, but brethren, I couldn't speak to you like a spiritual man, but instead to men as men of flesh, as to babes in Christ. So there's a third one. There was the natural man, verse 14. There was the spiritual man, verse 15. There's babes in Christ, verse 1. And so what do you do to babies? I gave you milk to drink. That's verse 2. Not solid food. Because you were not yet able to receive everything. But even now, you are not able to receive it. For you are still fleshly. So there's a fourth kind. It's a fleshly kind of person or a carnal kind of person. So what I want to do today is is just here again at the first of the year, we're just kind of taking a, a hard look of, okay, where are we in our relationship with Christ? And basically, what I want to ask you to, to think about is, are you a natural person? Are you a spiritual person? Are you a baby in Christ? Or are you this carnal person in Christ? The natural person. You know what he's talking about there? He's talking about the unbeliever. He's talking about the person that is yet to trust Jesus Christ as personal Savior. All of us at one time were natural people, natural persons. Look at verse 14. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised. Now, elsewhere, he talks a lot more about this, but right there in verse 14, he tells us an awful lot. This is what we were like before we trusted Jesus Christ. This is what a person is like before he trusts Jesus Christ, before she trusts Jesus Christ. They're natural. They're they're they're. they're it, they're probably good people, maybe. They might live really nice lives. They might even have decent marriages. They might have raised some kids that are actually going to contribute to society and, you know, sustain our economy and not be a, a blight on society. I mean, they might do a good job. They might coach soccer. They might be, you know, involved in the school system, making it better. They're people we'd vote for, but they're natural people. And here's the deal about a person who is yet to trust Jesus Christ. They do not have the Holy Spirit inside of them. They are, they are just a person that was created in the image of God. They might be an image bearer of God, but they are spiritually dead. And so therefore, Paul says to them, all of this stuff, it's foolishness. It's, they, they, they really actually cannot. They're, it's, they're incapable of connecting the spiritual dots. They, they're good, moral, nice, maybe even have some wisdom, but they're unsaved. They're spiritually dead. That's how I was. That's how you were before you trusted Jesus Christ a natural person. It, you know, we probably all 
have heard this at one time or another. I mean, dogs hear at a very, very high frequency. And so maybe every once in a while you've seen some, seen it on TV or in a movie or maybe even in person, someone has a dog whistle and they'll blow that dog whistle and you don't hear it at all, but that dog hears it. The natural person is not capable of hearing that high frequency of God. They just can't. I mean, to them, it's like when, when God speaks, when God does the believer, if he, if he or she is sensitive to it, they're like, that's God. That God did that. That's not just a coincidence. God did that. The natural person looks at it and says, great, it worked out. Man, those coincidences do happen. They can't hear the high frequency. They're like a blind person in the midst of a beautiful art gallery. They can't appreciate the beauty and elegance of God. You know, and we could talk a lot more about him, but unfortunately, that person, apart from Christ, is destined on the way to an eternity totally separated from God. The natural person is unsaved. They're spiritually dead, as Paul says in Ephesians 2. You know, and, and I just got to pause right here. Like, let me ask you, are you a natural person? Have you come to the place in your life when you recognize that, that you are a sinner who has fallen short of God's glory and the wages of sin is, is death, spiritual death, physical death? But God, who is rich in mercy, in his grace, sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. And so through simple faith and trust in him, he invites us to receive the free gift of salvation. That's how you go from being a natural person to a spiritual person. Have you trusted Jesus Christ? doesn't matter how much money you've ever given to a nonprofit or to a church, how involved you are in that church. doesn't matter anything about religion or church stuff. What matters is this relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you have a faith-based relationship with Jesus Christ? And if the answer is no, I don't mean to offend you, but you're a natural person. But Jesus Christ invites you to trust him. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father except through me. Have you trusted Jesus Christ? You know, if you're sitting there saying, I'm not really sure, I'd really encourage you when out in the lobby, just say something to me. And I would love to connect you with someone who could talk with you on more in-depth level about that. Because that, that is the most important thing. That is the most important thing that ever could be talked about. You don't want to leave here and not be certain that you're in these next three categories. Let's look at the next one. So... Here's the natural person, the natural man, as Paul puts it. The next one is this person who is spiritual. 
that's the goal. That's what all of us should strive to be. Look at verse 15. He just finished in verse 14 talking about the natural person. He, he can't connect the dots. He just he can't hear that high frequency of God. It's just not there. But, verse 15, but he who is spiritual, the spiritual believer, appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. For, he, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's not Paul being arrogant saying, well, we've got God. He's just stating it as a fact. When you come to the place in your life, when you trust Jesus Christ as personal Savior, you become a spiritual person. All of a sudden, you have spiritual life inside of you. There's so many things that happen. I remember a, a little booklet that we had in uh, the church I grew up in. Uh, it was called 31 Things That Happen to You When You Trust Jesus Christ as Savior. It's probably more than that, but I mean, 31 different things. I mean, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life. He empowers you. He gifts you. He, he, he opens up his, his work in your life. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, Jesus Christ indwells you. He, he, has, his, he has made you into a new creation in Christ. Old things passed away, new things come. And, and, and all of these wonderful things happen to you when, when you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Whether it's when you're a kid, like I was. I was five years old when I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Or maybe it's like some of you that I know were in your 50s or even older when you trusted Jesus Christ. But when you trust Jesus Christ, you become a spiritual person. And Paul is saying the spiritual person, he can appraise these things. He can connect the dots. He hears the high frequency of God. He doesn't look at a situation and says, wow, shucks, how did that happen? He knows how it happens. He knows that it is God at work to do His will and to accomplish His glory, to manifest Himself. And you know, the truth of the matter is, for all of us who have trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior, as we look at life, whether it's, you know, in the cultural realm or the political realm or the economic realm or the educational realm, we're supposed to be looking at it through this lens that says Jesus Christ is in charge. God is in charge. There is a sovereign God who is good and faithful, and, and He is at work. And we're sitting there evaluating history and time and space from that perspective, knowing that He He's in charge of it all. He is the one that is working to bring about his glory, his purposes, his kingdom. And, and, and that's how we view life. I mean, we might be an engineer, or a teacher, or a trainer, or, you know, a, a, a stay-at-home parent that, that raises their kids hands-on. But, but however we spend our time, whatever our occupation is, we're supposed to look at it from the standpoint that God is in charge. We're appraising all things from God. Our goal, as he says there in verse 16, is to have the mind of Christ. 
Remember the old bracelets 20 years ago, 25 years ago? What would Jesus do? WWJD? That's it. I mean, how would Jesus go into this sales meeting? How would Jesus teach this class? How would Jesus deal with this conflict that I'm having with this person? We approach life from Jesus' standpoint. That's what a spiritual person does. But look down the passage. Again, ignore the the chapter division because it's a real unfortunate one. Because look what Paul said. Because he's talking to these Corinthians. And remember, he's trying to help them understand why they're having all these issues. Why is it they can't get along? Why is it that, you know, they just can't kick those addictions that they've had? Why is it they can't, you know, walk through, you know, this immoral, decadent society and city and not, uh, you know, stumble? He's trying to help them to understand that. Well, it's because, in a way, there's not everyone functions as a spiritual Believer, truth of the matter is, when you first come to know Jesus Christ, you're a baby believer. See verse 1? And I, brethren, I couldn't speak to you as a spiritual man. I couldn't speak to you as spiritual men, but as men of flesh, as to babes in Christ. I mean... We've been around a lot of babies, and now we get to have a lot of grandbabies. I mean, those babies, you know, we had tonight, you know, Eleanor's leaving for college this afternoon, so last night was the last supper, so I grilled some steaks. I mean, we don't give the babies any steak, you know? You don't do that. I mean, you got to watch what you give them. You give them milk. And what Paul was saying there is, is you guys were dealing with all these things, and I just kind of had to spoon-feed you because you were baby believers. You couldn't necessarily hear all the things. Maybe, maybe now you could hear it, but you didn't have, you, you didn't have the, 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 the maturity, the growth to understand, okay, that means I need to flee this. That means I need to start doing this. That means I need to develop the discipline to do this other thing. It's like you can't just automatically go out and run a marathon. You've got to work your way up to it. You've got to first get off the couch and then get out of the house. Maybe even put some decent clothes on that are going to not obstruct you. And then you walk around the block. Then you maybe walk around the block twice, and so forth and so forth. You're a baby. Notice what he says here. He he uses that that term. He says uh, in the middle of uh, uh, verse 1 there, towards the end of it, he says, I had to speak to you as men of flesh. The the Greek word is sarkonos. You were fleshy. You, you, you You were, you know, there was just... You're a new believer in Christ. You're a spiritual person, but you just didn't have the spiritual muscle, the spiritual coordination, the spiritual aptitude to receive all the things you needed to see. And so I was spoon feeding you. So here's the deal. Some of you may still be baby believers. That's not an insult. 
that's just a, a statement of reality. You've come to know the Lord, but you've never, you know, you haven't had the time to really grow. And so you're struggling with this and that and all these other things. And, and you're seeing things in your life and it's like, that, sh that shouldn't be there. But, you know, as you're growing in relationship with Jesus Christ, those things are getting fewer and fewer and further between and, and, and you're starting to see some growth. You're starting to understand a little bit more about how Christ works. The truth of God, what, what, what worldview you should have, how you, how you are to view life. Nothing wrong with being a baby believer if you're a baby believer. Here's the problem. You stay in that mode, you stay in that position, you end up becoming a carnal believer. And that's what I think Paul goes to in the next verse. See verse one, 2? He said, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. But even now, you're not yet able, for you are still fleshly. See that word fleshly? Up in verse 1, men of flesh, that was the Greek word sarkonos. That word in verse 3, kind of a cousin word, related but not the same word. You are sarkikos. When you first trust Jesus Christ as Savior, you're fleshy. But if you stay in that baby state, you become fleshly. And the truth of the matter is, a good label, and I haven't heard it for years, but it's a good label, you're basically carnal. You're worldly. You've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, your salvation is set, it's secure, but the manifestation of Christ in you, the, the, the mind of Christ in you, it's just not there because you're still eating, or should say drinking, the milk of the words. You've never graduated to, you know, lasagna, let alone a ribeye. I mean, you're still... You're still struggling over the milk of the word. And so consequently, when, when God the Holy Spirit through his word or maybe through, you know, whether it's being read or taught or someone just mentions it to you, you're like spitting it up. You can't handle it. I mean, it gets inside of you and it just doesn't work with the intestines. You can't digest it. You know, and usually what we do is we make up all kinds of excuses as to why that was wrong. Oh, that person's so self-righteous. Man, I'm not one of these Bible thumpers that are fighting over where the commas go in the Bible. I don't want to do that. I mean, we have all kinds of, you know, rationalizations as to why we don't want to get more into the truth of God. But the truth of the matter is what's going on there is we're still functioning like a baby. You know, nothing 
more uh, horrible than seeing an adult function like a child. You know, the 40-year-old that is still acting like he's 17 and he's so irresponsible and so whatever. I mean, we look at him and we're like, grow up. I mean, it's, I mean, who thought 17 was fun anyway? <laughs> I mean, but, you know, that's how he's living. That's how she's living. You know, it's terrible, you know, to be 50 and still acting like you're 29, playing the, the, the games and all those things. Where's the responsibility? Where's the maturity? We see that in real life. It's kind of like, you know, there comes a time when you got to move out of your parents' basement, you know, and become more of a standalone, responsible individual. Trouble is a lot of believers are like that because it's just so easy. We got our ticket punched, and we just stay in the crib of the church, and we don't see any problem. You know, because like I talked about, natural people, they're good. A lot of natural people are really moral, real religious, real responsible. They do all the right things. And so in a way, you know, you can be a carnal believer, a carnal Christian, and look really spiritual. You can work in Awana. You can give some money. You can give a lot of money. But the truth of the matter is, where is your heart? And see, this is the real problem that the Corinthians had. Paul, in this paragraph, basically goes on to say, the problem is not the city you live in, folks. The problem is not the skeletons that were in your closet when you came to know Jesus Christ. It's not your background. The problem is your carnal. The problem is you've never grown up in Christ. And that's what Paul is saying to these, these people. Gently, but bluntly. He's saying the problem is not that you're living in a very decadent culture. The problem is not that you had a set of parents that were more interested in themselves than in you. The problem is not that, you know, this thing is so addictive. The problem is you and your love for being a baby and your rejection of growing up in Christ. And so, you know, in the same way I've asked the question, I mean, where are you? I mean, honestly, are you a carnal Christian? If you were to sit and say, man, I've known the Lord for 35 years. Are you acting like a mature believer? Or are you still acting like a teenage believer? Now, there's no formula. It's not like dog years, you know, and, oh, 35, well, for every three years, you should be a 95-year-old believer. There's no formula there. But honestly, after a few years, if you're still crawling your spiritual parents ought to be a little concerned. Why is he not pulling himself up? Why is he not interested in taking a step? Why is he not 
learning to eat real food, are you a carnal Christian? You know, I was thinking about this, and there's, there's a lot of things that uh, we could talk about, but two things that I've talked about before, this might be familiar to you. You know, what causes this carnality in believers? You know, and I, I think there's two main ones, several of them, but two main ones. One is what I'd call spiritual anorexia. Remember what anorexia is? That eating disorder where you, you, you just don't eat. You basically starve yourself. You're happy with one bite of this because the sensation of hunger has been relieved, and so you just skip. That. I mean, that's it. And there's a lot of believers out there that are just starving themselves. They never read their Bible. They, they, they miss church a whole bunch. They rarely get themselves into a, 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 a forum. You know, if they come to church, they come... And they're in a place like this where you can sit and just listen, maybe listen, tune out, you know, wonder when the game's going to start, wonder how that guy that, you know, had his heart stopped and wonder if he's doing well today, you know, all that stuff. But you don't really have to engage, but you rarely put yourself in a situation where there's, oh, there's 15 of us and we were sitting around and we're discussing this passage and it's not just one guy gets to talk for 40 minutes and Nobody else gets to talk. I mean, everybody kind of contributes and work. We all got our Bible and we're trying to say, now, what does that mean? How does that relate to me? We never put ourselves in that position to where we're actually going to chew on the food. That's spiritual anorexia. And there's a lot of believers that I believe are starved because they're, they're malnourished. And, and it just... You know, it, it, what happens is they look healthy, but that, that they just gradually get skinnier and skinnier and weaker and weaker and weaker. And, and because it happens so gradually, you don't see the person imploding. Is that you? Is that you? You know, I, this is not unique to me at all. But I just want to challenge you that those of you that have been around for a long, long time, you know, across the board, one of the things that is going on, particularly in North America, in the North American church, participation before the pandemic versus participation today after the pandemic, year and a half after the pandemic, you know, attendance at church. It used to be someone would... You know, everyone's going to miss church occasionally. Used to be the average person would maybe miss one Sunday in six or one Sunday in seven. But you're there six or seven times out of those eight. You know, it's just real rare. You know, now the average person maybe misses one out of three. Sometimes misses one out of two. Fifty percent. Those of you that are school teachers, how well would your, te your students do if they were missing 50% of the time? I'm pretty sure they wouldn't get that calculus. Those ACT stores would start to fall. I mean, you know, and what is it? I mean, I mean, we're all here. We're all here, but we're just not here as often. It's like it used to be that you take the whole church role, and I'm not talking about Fellowship Bible. I'm talking about the North American church. I mean, in the, in the church journals that I read, this is, what, this is the national problem we have. 
It used to be that, that you take the whole church roll, and on any given Sunday, you'd have about 65% of the people there. Say 65%? Yeah, 35% are home. You know, on Easter, you might get 90% of them here because 10% of them went to grandma's. But you know what it is now? It's probably about 55%. Maybe even less than that. We just aren't participating like we used to. We don't give like we used to. We don't come like we used to. We don't serve like we used to. Oh, we used to do this in the church. I, w- I was in the nursery. I worked in Awana. I, I helped lead that community group. I, I came and weeded the gardens. I helped count the money. I kept doing that. But, you know, I did that for like seven or eight years, and then it all got shut down during the pandemic, and now we've resumed it all. And I'm just not really sure. You know, it's time for someone else to step up. I did my time. And what has it happened? Our participation. All of that is spiritual nourishment. Serving is one of the greatest ways you can be nourished. But we're starving ourselves because we come up with excuses not to do it. We're doing ourselves a disservice. You know what another reason, cause of that carnality? Spiritual bulimia. Remember what that one is? That's one where you maybe gorge yourself, but then you slip away to the bathroom Sorry to be so ugly, but you stick your finger down your throat and you vomit it out. And truth of the matter is, we all do that one. Can you imagine? You, 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 you know, you go to a, a Sunday school class or a 9:30 class. You come to a worship service and you hear something. It's like, man, I need to do that. That is something. I I'm gonna do that. You know, we've all had that experience. I mean, every once in a while I get a hit and I'm it's like, wow, Richard said something and I want to start doing that. But you know what normally happens? It's like we go out there as we're walking to the, to the parking lot and we walk over to the grass, we stick our finger down and we let it go. Because all of a sudden we're back into work mode and we're going to go six days and totally focus and never implement whatever truth we heard in that class or in that sermon or caught from that song that we sang. We spit it out. And and you know what? You're never going to grow if you do. In fact, I'm no nutritionist, but I think in a way, bulimia is actually worse than the anorexia. And that might be what we're mostly guilty of because we hear so much. I mean, who doesn't listen to podcasts anymore? I mean, you can listen to the best preachers in the world right from your phone. You can even do it on time and a half so you get through a 30-minute message in 20 minutes. Isn't that great? And you hear all this wonderful stuff, but what do you do with it? As soon as the podcast's done, you turn it off, you go back into work mode, and you've totally forgotten it. Boy, it was interesting for 20 minutes, And man, there's even some times that you came up with how to do that, how to make a change. But then it just gets puked out. Does that happen with you? It happens with all of us occasionally, but does that regularly happen with you? Honestly, 
have there been times when, when you've heard something it's like the, because the Spirit of God is in you. you. You are a spiritual person who has the Spirit of God in you, and it's like God is saying, you need to do that. You need to make that phone call. You need to start implementing that spiritual discipline. You need to get up so you can read your Bible. You need to lay aside these excuses and get yourself there on 930 or 1045 or step up and take your turn doing this or that around here. I need to reach out to that person. But boy, by the time life starts happening again at about 12, 15, it's gone. All of those things keep us from growing in Christ. So what do we do with all that? Well, I think we need to recognize and connect the dots. If we are, we are people who have trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior, what we need to do is we need to ask ourselves, am I functioning like a spiritual person? Or am I functioning like a carnal believer, a carnal Christian? And if the answer is I'm functioning like a carnal believer, you've got to stop it. You've got to find some help. And you've got to reach down and allow the Holy Spirit to give the gumption to start exercising and implementing those disciplines that you hear about regularly when you come to church. Like participating, like reading the Word of God, like digesting the truth that you have, like serving. All of these things need to be brought under the Lordship of Christ. And it's not just for the next three days. And then Thursday happens. It becomes a lifestyle change. It becomes a lifestyle change. Where are you? Are you a natural person? If you are, I want to encourage you to say something to me in the lobby. I'd love to talk to you, or I'd love to connect you with someone who would talk to you. If you're a spiritual person, what kind of spiritual person are you? Are you still functioning as a baby? Man, grow, but don't just keep sucking the milk. Push yourself to grow. And if you're a carnal believer, Man, reject it. No wonder we all have those issues that the Corinthians have. That, that just accompanies that carnality. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for just the opportunity to uh, once again take an assessment just where we are. And I pray, Father, that uh, today, if there's someone here that still is a natural person that has yet to trust Jesus Christ, I pray, Father, that today they might uh, find Christ, that they would uh, reach out and recognize that uh, by faith, through the finished work of Jesus Christ, they can be saved and begin that relationship with him. Father, for those of us that have trusted Christ, 
I pray that you would help us to desire that, uh, that spiritual state to reject immaturity, be dissatisfied with just being an infant, and Father, to be uh, really motivated uh, to grow, to reject that uh, passivity of just being carnal. Thank you, Father, that we, uh, we do have your spirit. And I pray, Father, that you would help us not to grieve him by continually stuffing or rejecting your truth that you implant into us. Help us to be your people this week. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.